go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, don't you just love the little children? Oh, wow. Let me ask that one more time. Don't you just love the little children? I, I hope you do. I, I hope you do. Uh, and mamas and daddies, you ought to be able to breathe a little bit easier because they're not in here anymore. Right? And, and, and now whatever's going on, it's somebody else's responsibility, right? Yeah, it, it's easy for us to say that and do that, but I can't tell you, uh, I can't say thank you enough to all of those that work in our children's ministry, because here's the thing, uh, they're not just taking care of our children, they're leading our children. They're teaching our children all about Jesus Christ. And so I'm so thankful for them, I'm thankful for the way that they lead and guide and direct our children, I'm so thankful that they teach our children to participate in kingdom ministry, to participate in church, because that's who we are. And listen, as much as I think your children make you nervous, I feel bad for Marty, because I make her nervous all the time. Like, she can't get away from it. She's still waiting for me to grow up. And I'm like a big kid all the time, especially during Christmas. I love the Christmas season, and more than that, I love the Christmas story. And that's what we started last week. We started looking at the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke. And if you'll remember, Luke, who was inspired and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he wrote his Gospel, including this Christmas story. He tells us in Luke chapter 1, the first four verses, that he wrote this because he wanted us to know with certainty the Word of God. He wanted us to to know with certainty, with surety, that God's Word was truth, that it was life, that it was light. And so I'm so thankful for the Gospel of Luke, and I'm so thankful that we can read the Gospel of Luke and we can see this story, this Christmas story. And I want to tell you, the Christmas story is not something that just happened. You heard me say this last week. It's not something that just was a coincidence or that just happened. The Christmas story is the plan and purposes of God being fulfilled. It was something that God accomplished, and so we need to understand that. This was not just a happening or just a coincidence. It was God's fulfillment of the promises that he made years and years and years before. Now, last week, I asked you a question, and I'm going to ask you the same question today, and get ready because I'm going to ask you this question all throughout the month of December, and it's very simply this. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? Now, I'm taking this personally, and I'm asking you to take it personally as well. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? Last week, I gave you an answer, and we're going we're gonna to continue to build on this answer. Last week, here's what I told you. The Christmas story is the firm foundation for my faith, and my faith will be tested in this life. So my faith begins with Jesus. My faith continues with Jesus. And listen, my faith will be made complete one day with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But what I have to understand is that in this life, my faith is going to be tested. It's going to be tried. I shared with you last week, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, he has a great comment on faith. He says, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And if you'll remember last week, we looked at the faith of Zechariah and the faith of Elizabeth. They were tested in their faith. Were they perfect? No, they were not. The Bible says that they were righteous. 
The Bible says that they were blameless before God. That means they were walking in obedience to His commands. But they were not perfect. They were sinners. And they needed rescue. They needed redemption. But God used them. God used them as a part of His plan of rescue. Part of His plan of redemption. Because if you'll remember, God told them that they were going to have a son. And that their their son was going to be great. And that their son was going to make way, right? Make way for Jesus. He was going to prepare the hearts and the minds of people for Jesus. And so that's incredible. But do you remember how Zechariah responded? He responded with like, hey God, do you know how old I am? And don't you know that my wife is well along in years as well? Uh, He responded with doubt. And we know that his faith was tested and and in this moment, uh, he, he failed. He failed. Listen, he failed. He didn't believe what the angel said. And the angel came back and said, hey, I am Gabriel. And when he said that, he said, I am God's messenger. And so what I tell you is coming straight from the mouth of God. And if you'll remember, Gabriel had to, had to rebuke Zechariah because of his doubt. And, and here's what I want you to know. God's purposes and God's plans are not limited by your doubt and my doubt. God's plans and God's purposes aren't limited by our lack of understanding. We're going to see that today in the life of Mary. When God says something, He does it. And I love this. God is patient with us, isn't He? God is patient with us. Listen, when our faith is tested and sometimes when we fail the test and even when we pass the test... God is patient with us, and God is gracious to us, and God continues to grow us and use us for His plans and purposes. And so I want to share something with you that that really has made a difference for me as I've studied this passage of Scripture. And that is simply this. Faith is not first about understanding God. Rather, faith is first about trusting and surrendering to God. It's not first about understanding God, because here's the thing. You and I, we won't ever fully understand. Does anybody struggle with understanding today? Okay, and I see some of you raising your hands, and you've been a Christian a long time, right? So listen, understanding God and understanding His plans and purposes, that's going to be something we struggle with, right? And it's not a sign of our lack of faith. It's just something that we struggle with, but here's the thing. If we can trust God and we can surrender to God even when we don't understand, I believe He'll give us the understanding we need as we need it. And I believe that's what we see in the life of Mary today. I love Psalm 119 verse 130 when it comes to understanding. Listen to what God's Word says. It says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's pretty good. That's Psalm 119, 130. And so as we read the Gospel of Luke today, and we dig into the Gospel of Luke, let's think about that. Let's think about what does understanding, what does it do, what can it do for the faith that I have when I'm trusting God and surrendering to God even when I don't understand. All right, so let's look at it together. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant 
of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Listen, Gabriel, as we already know, Gabriel was God's announcing angel. That's who he was. He was God's announcing angel. And he had already appeared to Zechariah in the temple. And he announced God's plans and God's purposes to Zechariah. And now he moves over to Nazareth, right? And he delivers God's purposes and God's plans to this young lady named Mary. He came to Nazareth and he came to Mary. And here's what I want you to see real quick. Before it ever existed, God chose the place called Nazareth. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Before it ever existed on man's lips, before it was ever printed on an ancient map of Israel, God had already chosen Nazareth to be the place. The place where Jesus Christ would come to earth. Listen to what it says in Isaiah The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Listen. The Hebrew language, the Hebrew language actually used a word for branch, which we see in Isaiah, and that Hebrew word was the word neser, N-E-S-E-R. And from that word neser, guess where we get the name of this city? Nazareth. The word Nazareth is a derivative of the word neser, which means branch. So listen to me. When Isaiah prophesied this, Nazareth was not formed yet. Nazareth was not a city, right? It didn't exist during this time when Isaiah was prophesying this. It existed, it it came into existence years after. But what I want you to see is that God is not limited by what man can or cannot do, and God is not limited by what does exist or doesn't exist. God can do whatever he wants because he's sovereign. And God has had a plan and a purpose ever since our beginning. Even before our beginning, God knew what we would need, and that is a Savior, Jesus Christ. And God had already planned and purposed for Jesus to come to this world and live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death on the cross and rise up out of the grave to defeat sin and death so that you and I might have right relationship with Him. God knew the place, and called out the place before it ever existed. This is incredible to me. This was not chance. This was fulfillment. Not only that, before she ever existed, God chose the person, and the person was Mary. 
the virgin Mary. Isaiah chapter 7 says this in verses 13 through 14. Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, listen to verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, let, me, let me go backwards with you again into the Hebrew language. I think it's so important to understand what words mean and where they came from. You see, the Hebrew language for the word virgin is the word alma, A-L-M-A-H. And that word means one who is veiled, one who is unwed yet chaste. Let me just tell you something. If you can't believe in the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then don't waste time believing anything. Do do you hear what I'm saying? If you cannot believe in the virgin birth that was prophesied, that was told by God and then fulfilled by God, then don't waste your time believing anything. You don't pick and choose what you believe in the Bible. You either believe it or you don't. And I'm tired of hearing man say, well, this might be true, but this ain't. Hey, listen to me. It ain't up to you to tell me what truth is. God tells me what truth is, and it's Genesis to Revelation. And if you don't like that, tough. That's right. I'll pray for you, and I'll keep on praying for you. I believe every word of God. Every word of God. However it came and through whomever it came. The Bible says in the book of Timothy that all Scripture, let let me say that one more time, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's why I say the Christmas story is where my faith begins. And it is a firm foundation for me and for the faith that God has given me. I believe that God chose the place before it ever existed, Nazareth. I believe that God chose the Virgin Mary before she ever existed. I believe in the virgin birth of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's why my faith, right, when it's tested, I can stand on that firm foundation of the Christmas story, God's Word that is completely true and completely accurate. So through the Gabriel's prophecies, right, we, we see that God chose the place, God chose the, per, the person, and, and then we see through Gabriel's prophecies that God actually shared his purposes with Mary. Now let me just tell you something, God didn't have to do that. I think so many times in this life when things are happening all around us, it's almost as if we assume God, he, he, we expect God to give us an explanation, right? Like, like God, uh, you're supposed to tell me why. You're supposed to tell me how. You're supposed to tell me when. You're supposed to tell me where. Listen to me. If God speaks to you, that is God's grace. That's God's grace. Because God don't owe you or me anything. He, He don't owe you or me anything, including understanding. He doesn't owe us that. But thank God he gives it to us. He gives it to us when we're struggling. 
And when he knows it will make a kingdom difference and a kingdom impact, I believe God gives us what we need. And so we see that Gabriel, he actually shares. This is incredible to me, right? Isaiah the prophet, he shared prophecy. Jeremiah the prophet shared prophecy. Daniel shared prophecy. We, we look in the Bible and we see all of these great prophets, but Gabriel, not only was God's announcing angel, Gabriel was like a prophet. Because even right here, right, even right here, Gabriel, he gives Mary prophecy. As a matter of fact, I love this. Dr. David Jeremiah says that Gabriel shares seven prophecies with Mary. And five of those prophecies are fulfilled at Jesus' birth and his life on earth. And then two of those prophecies right there at the end, they are for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so this is incredible to me. I love the fact that, that Gabriel says you are to give him the name Jesus. Don't you know that means something? The name Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, listen to this. He is called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name of Jesus means. It means salvation. As a matter of fact, Jesus is a derivative. It comes from the Old Testament name Joshua. And do you know what the name Joshua means? It means Yahweh saves. So so Jesus' name is salvation. Jesus himself is our salvation. And when it comes to Mary, especially in this passage, we need to remember that faith is not first about understanding. Faith is first about trusting and surrendering. And then comes understanding. Watch what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How does Mary respond to the prophecies that Gabriel delivers and for the plans and purposes that God delivers to her. Here it is, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Notice it doesn't say the the Son of Woman, right? It's the Son of God. That's his divinity. He is completely divine. Elizabeth, right? Your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. In other words, it was impossible for Elizabeth to have baby according to man. But guess what? She's going to have a baby. Can't you think what Mary's thinking? Right? I'm a virgin. I'm unwed. I'm chaste. I have kept myself clean and pure Before you, God, so can you understand her questioning? How how is this going to happen? It's nothing, right? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. And the angel tells her this, verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm going to tell you, that's a good word right there. And you need to remember that, and you need to claim that all day, every day in your life. No word from God will ever fail. And look at her response, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe Mary was in complete understanding? Even though, even though the angel told her how it was going to happen, had Mary ever seen this before, ever? Nope. Had she ever experienced anything like this for Ever? Nope. 
She did not completely understand, but she trusted and she surrendered. Let me, let me show you something very important about Mary. First of all, Mary was favored. Did you see that? Mary was favored by God. But even though she was favored by God, and I'm going to explain a little bit more about what that means, even though she was favored by God, she still struggled with a lack of understanding. So, so here's what I want you to understand. People need to understand. Uh, my life is in trouble. My life is a wreck. My life is in chaos. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to church, and my life's going to get all better. You, you better be careful with that prosperity gospel because I don't know where that's coming from because I ain't found that passage in my Bible. Just because, just because you have been shown favor by God doesn't mean you're not going to struggle in this life. Zechariah struggled with doubt. And now right here, we see Mary struggle with a lack of understanding. Even though she experienced God's amazing grace, and by the way, that's what this means right here when it says you are highly favored. God has shown favor to you. That's God's amazing grace that has been given to her, not because she earned it or deserved it, but because God chose to give it to her. And that's the way it is in our life. Listen, you can't come to church enough to to earn one ounce of God's grace. You can't sing enough on the stage. You can't write a check big enough to earn anything, especially God's grace. You can't. God's grace is given by God. And that's what this means right here. The angel tells uh, Mary, uh, you know, Gabriel tells Mary, hey, you are highly favored by God. God has favored you. In other words, God has poured grace out to you. And so we see a difference. And the way Mary responds in Zechariah. Now, you might say, well, Brother Jeff, Zechariah asked the angel a question, and, and Mary asked a, the angel a question, and, and it looks like the struggle is the same. And yes, the struggle might be the same, but the response and the way the question is asked is a lot different. And I can tell you why. How did, the, how did Gabriel respond to Zechariah's question? Huh? He said, I am Gabriel. How dare you question me like you just questioned me? As a matter of fact, what did Zechariah have to suffer through even more because of his question? It's a word called rebuke. Gabriel rebuked him. Do you remember? Gabriel said, because of your doubt, because of your unbelief in what I have said that came from God, you won't be able to speak until the fulfillment of the promise. I I thought about that last week. All week long, I thought about what if God came to me? And told me my wife was pregnant. We had, we had gotten older and we did not have children. How excited would I be and then not be able to tell anybody with my mouth how excited I was? Right? To be given the promise but not be able to pour out and be excited about the promise because I didn't believe the promise to begin with. But we see a different response. We see a different response from Mary, and we see a different response from the angel. See, Gabriel had to rebuke Zechariah because of his lack of belief, but however, we don't see a rebuke here. What this tells me is that Mary was not struggling in unbelief. 
Mary was not struggling with doubting God. I, I love another pastor that I love to read, especially uh, the Christmas story. It is Pastor Thabidion Wibley, and here's what he says. He says, Mary is not asking, can you do it? She is asking, how will you do it? She's not asking, can you do it? She's asking, how will you do it? Her question, right? Here's what he says. Her question is building on her faith, not displaying unbelief. Notice Mary didn't ask for a sign. She didn't ask for a sign. You know what she asked for? Insight. She didn't ask for him to give her a sign. She wanted insight. Why did she want insight? Because she knew her body. She knew that she was engaged to be married, and she had not yet been married or consummated the marriage. And so she wanted to know, how is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I want insight. She wasn't asking this question from unbelief. She was asking this question because she wanted understanding. And so Gabriel didn't rebuke her. Do you notice that? If she had responded in complete doubt and in complete unbelief, I personally believe that he would have responded to her just like he responded to Zechariah. But he didn't have to do that. Gabriel keeps on. He continues to share with her God's plans and God's purposes. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Mary, in her faith, she grew. Mary's faith grew. And it wasn't simply because of the understanding. It was more so because of the trust and the surrender that she demonstrated first. She demonstrated trust and surrender first. And then Gabriel began to pour into her even more, even more insight. She believed in the miracle that was going to take place because it was God's word and it was God's hand. And so she embraced the servanthood of God. She knew Right? Listen to me. Think about Mary now. I've, I've talked about Zechariah. I've talked about that father and wanting to pour out excitement. Think about Mary now. And she's looking for insight. Think about who she is. Think about what's about to take place. And think about the society and the culture around her. She is engaged, not yet married. Supposedly, right? In society, she's a virgin. But then she's pregnant. You don't think Mary was thinking about that? Do do you think Mary was thinking about that? Okay. (laughs) God, if you said it, you'll do it. And she says, I am your servant. But don't you know she was curious about how is this going to be? Because do you want to know what the culture and what society could have done to her when they found out she was pregnant and engaged to Joseph? Do you you know the law? She could have been stoned to death. She could have been stoned to death. So all of these things rolling through her mind. She's not asking God, can you do it? She's saying, God, how are you going to do it? Because because I know know me and I know this culture. So how how is this going to happen? So I ask myself this question again. What can the Christmas story, especially this passage, when it deals with Mary, what can it do for my faith? Here's the answer I put for me, right? It shows me that if Jesus is truly my Lord, then I will truly be his servant. And even though I don't completely understand, I will trust and I will surrender. 
That's what it shows me. Let me ask you another question. Does anybody in here struggle with trust? Does anybody in here struggle with surrender? Right? I think we all do. I think at different times we struggle with it too. Right? And I'm not here to, to make you feel bad if you are struggling with trust and surrender. Here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep pressing into Jesus. I want you to keep pressing into his word. Remember what I, I read it to you just a few moments ago in the book of Psalms, right? The Lord will give understanding, but you have to press into his word to get it and to receive it. So even when you're struggling with a lack of understanding, even when you're struggling with trust and surrender, press into God, press into his word, because God is going to give you what you need when you need it. And I believe we see that in the life of Mary. It goes on. And so Gabriel, he shared another piece of information with Mary that she did not know yet. He said, hey, by the way, uh, Elizabeth, your cousin, she's pregnant. As a matter of fact, she's in her sixth month. And so can you imagine now, right? Because Mary's known her. And Mary knows that she's very well in age. That's the poetic way that Zechariah de- described it. Okay? She's very well in age. And so Mary hears that. And so she gets excited, and here it is, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, look at this, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me just tell you, that's a very important piece of information in that very moment She was filled with the Holy Spirit, which means this. Anything that comes out of her mouth, right, was not on her own knowledge. It was imparted to her. It was given to her by God through the Holy Spirit. So watch what happens. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. She knew in that very moment that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. She knew it. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit of God filled her and gave her that knowledge and gave her the opportunity to pronounce a blessing right then and right there. And then she says, but why am I so favored? She also recognized this. God just gave that to me. God's grace was just given to me. Isn't it amazing what happens when you get filled with the Spirit and you get caught up in the Spirit? You praise God. You you begin to hear God and understand God. So she says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, do you see that? That the mother of my Lord, she she has already professed faith in the Messiah who's in the belly of a virgin. You want to talk about faith? Come on. That's faith. (laughs) As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Now she's talking about Mary. Biblical scholars tell us, I I studied this because I wanted to kind of see where Zechariah was serving there in Judea. Biblical scholars tell us that it was about a 40-mile journey, a 40-mile journey 
from Nazareth, which is where Mary was, to that part of Judea where John the Baptist was going to be born. Okay, so a 40-mile journey, and yet the Bible says Mary hurried there. I, I don't know how they hurried back in that day, right? But I can just imagine that Mary's, Mary's thought was, the Lord has shown favor to me. The Lord has shown favor to Elizabeth, and I can't help but celebrate. Don't you know she was worshiping and praising every step of the way, right? Hurrying to Elizabeth's house. And what's beautiful about this picture is that God brought them together for such a time as this. What we see in this passage is that Mary and Elizabeth actually encouraged one another. And while they were encouraging one another, they shared in belief and they shared in joy. It was a shared belief and a shared joy. One of the evidences, I love this, one of the evidences of belief in who God is and what God is doing is the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. So you might say, well, Brother Jeff, what's the evidence? What's the evidence, right, that the Holy Spirit is in me? I believe one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit in you is that you hear God's Word and you respond to it accordingly. I believe that's one of the evidences. As a matter of fact, I say this all the time. I can't have enough degrees and enough education. I can't be a good enough reader or a good enough talker to understand anything in this book without the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you. There's a lot of educated people out there reading this and talking about it, but they ain't saying nothing because they're lost and salvation is up to them and not up to the Lord. The only way, the only way to understand the Word of God, the only way to understand the voice of God is to have the Holy Spirit of God in you. To have the Holy Spirit of God impart that knowledge to you, impart that wisdom to you. Open up your ears, open up your heart so that you can receive it. And I believe we see that right here in the life of Mary. I believe we see that in the life of Elizabeth. Why? Because they both, right, they both have joy. And I'm going to tell you something, joy ain't the gift of man. Joy is the gift of God. Joy is the gift of God. And so we know, we know that the Holy Spirit of God filled John from the moment of his conception. We know that. We've already read that. But now the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth, and she was given supernatural knowledge about Mary and the child that she was carrying. And she proclaimed, right? She proclaimed that that is my Lord in your belly. And she proclaimed that, Mary, you have believed. Think about that, right? She knew because of the Spirit of God that Mary had already believed in what was taking place in her life. That's pretty cool. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it's in verse 3. You may have to check me out on that. But Paul says this, you and I, you and I can't pronounce a blessing like that unless it's the Holy Spirit that has led us to do it. We can't speak blessings of Jesus Christ unless the Holy Spirit has led us to do that. And so, Mary and Elizabeth, they choose. This is what's incredible to me. They choose to believe the promises of God before the fulfillment of those promises. How many of you, you say this all the time, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, then you just told me you say it all the time. Right? Because I didn't even finish and you already said it. How many times do we do it? Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. 
Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. And here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of, and even in our churches today, that's how many people view faith. That's what their faith is, right? It's about the signs and the proofs. And then I'll get on board. But that's not how it works. That's not what we see right here in this passage of Scripture with Elizabeth and with Mary. No, they chose to believe the promises of God even before they were fulfilled. Even before, right? Mary said, I am your servant. I am your, in other words, God, your word will be done to me. I believe it. Let me tell you what Hebrews says. You want to talk about faith? You know this passage very well, don't you? Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the chapter of what? Faith. It's called the faith chapter. Well, listen to what the first three verses say. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. That's what faith is, right? It's the, ho- it's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is why the ancients were commended. By faith, we understand. Did you hear that? By faith, we understand. Can I say that one more time? By faith, we understand. What did I say at the very beginning? My faith does not begin with understanding. My faith begins with what? Trusting and surrendering. And then guess what comes? Understanding. So look what Hebrews says. Again, I always tell you, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Because I can mess it up. Okay? I know, I know what I can do. I can mess it up. But God's word... Don't ever mess up. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. When God created, he spoke something out of nothing. He spoke something out of nothing. You know, Misty makes this incredible jewelry, right? Beautiful jewelry. And and it is a beautiful creation. But here's the thing. What she's creating, she's creating out of something that already existed. Something that was already made. She's just recrafting it and reforming it. I I love to cut out wood and paint Christmas cards and stuff like that. Even though I ain't had a lot of time to do it. But I like to do that. But here's the thing. No matter what I do, I'm using elements that already exist. And trying to form them into something new, right? So here's the thing. I can call myself a creator all day long, but I'm not. God is creator. And that's why I could say earlier that before the town ever existed, God chose Nazareth. Before Mary was ever in her mother's womb and ever born on this earth, God chose her to be the vessel, the virgin who would conceive the Son of God. Here's our part. We can choose to believe or not. That's our part. We can choose to believe or not. We can can choose to set up the parameters, right? I'll I'll believe if. (laughs) My, My faith will grow if. And we try to line things up. We try to pull scriptures out of context, write those down. That works for me. This one up here don't, so I'm not looking at that anymore. Huh? That's what we do. 
I interpret it this way, she interprets it that way, he interprets it, th- I, this is the way I interpret it, so this is what I believe is truth. Instead of saying, God, what you say is truth, get me right. Line me up. Don't try to get me to line somebody else up. God, you line me up, and then what you do for me, you can do for that person and that person and that person. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? What does it mean for me? Not, not just during this Christmas season. What does it mean for me in January? What does it mean for me in June? What does it mean for me in October? What does the Christmas story mean for me? And here it is. It's very simple. The Christmas story is the firm foundation of my faith that is built upon my trust in God and my surrender to God. Why? Because of His amazing grace. Let me just tell you something. I don't have faith if it ain't for God first. I don't have faith if it ain't for God first. That's God's grace. God spoke to me before I ever called out to Him. God's Spirit stirred my heart to turn to Him. I didn't turn to Him because I wanted to. God did that. God has poured out His favor on all of us. Go read the book of Ephesians. See what I'm talking about. The same way that Gabriel talked to Mary when he said, you have been highly favored by God, God has shown you favor, go read the book of Ephesians and see what it says. See what God says through Paul, right? God pours his grace out to you and me too. He favors us. He wants a relationship with us. And God said, I know you can't overcome your sin, but I can. And I have. His name is Jesus. And so God stirs our hearts And he shows us and tells us who he is and what he's done and how he's done it. And then he says, now you decide. See, God ain't going to make you believe. God's going to tell you how much he loves you and then he's going to let you decide to either receive it or reject it. I'm going to tell you, my faith, it begins with the Christmas story. It begins with Emmanuel. God came to me where I was. God demonstrated his love for me on this, that while I was still a sinner, Christ came. He came, and he lived perfectly, and he died. And he died so that I might have the opportunity to repent, to turn from that sin, and turn to God and say, yes, God, thank you for loving me. Yes, God, I receive your love for me. Yes, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in who he is and what he's done, and I believe he's coming back, and I believe, God, that I'm going to be with you forever, not because I'm good, but because Jesus Christ is great, and he is perfect, and he is my Savior. I'm going to tell you something. I want to cry out like Elizabeth, right? That's my Lord. That's what she said. I, I, I can just see her zooming in on Mary's little belly, right? That's my Lord. Right? She is excited because she sees, right? She sees the fulfillment of what God is doing. But here's the thing. She was already believing. She was already believing because she was six months pregnant herself. And she was already walking in obedience to God. And then God said, since you trust and since you surrendered, let me show you. And there's Mary walking through the door. And she said, oh God, why am I so highly favored? Why are, you, why are you giving me this grace? Because I don't deserve it. But since you have, let me tell you who he is. He's my Lord. I'm going to tell you, we need to get excited about Jesus Christ. 
we need to get excited about Jesus Christ, and we need to tell people, right, who Jesus Christ is to us. Because I believe, I believe God will use you, and I believe God will use me, filled with the Spirit, to impart truth and light and life to others who need it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, you go. You go and you tell others. You be my witnesses, right? You go and make disciples. You go and baptize. You go and teach people all of my commandments. And I'll be with you even to the end of the age. The Christmas story is real. The Christmas story is a firm foundation for me. I hope it is for you.